All right, this is Hunter with Dial H, and we are here with Jake uh, on Realms or on other sites. You may see his handle as Jeetery, former world champion. Was it? It was Silver Age, or uh, sorry, Golden Age that you won, right? It was. It was Golden Age. And, uh, and that was last year, so 2013 Golden Age champion. And, Technically, uh, because they're not doing that format anymore, I'm the undefeated Golden Age world champion. Right, nobody <laughs> would. That belt is staying around his waist for the unknown future. Nobody's ever going to be able yeah. to take it away from him. So uh, what we wanted to do today was uh, do a, uh, some interview questions, your standard interview questions, and uh, some of them fun, some of them serious, and then we also have, uh, we chose, like looks like about five of uh, reader submitted or listener submitted questions as well. Hunter, let's be honest; these are all hardcore, serious questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> first thing, first thing, I was curious to talk about, and I'm sure you get asked a lot of these questions all the time. But um, I wanted to go into the designing a figure process. Now, I know you did Harley Quinn; she's not out yet, so I'm sure you yeah. you probably had to sign some kind of an NDA. So I, I understand you probably can't talk about everything. But um, one of my questions was, uh, what made you choose Harley Quinn? And then were there any other characters you considered besides her? And then number three, how, the third part, how much input into the process do you actually get? Well, uh, start with the first one. With uh, The reason I picked Harley Quinn was from a character standpoint. I, I didn't read comics before I started playing this game. But after I started playing this game, I got into comics. So she was one of the few characters that I've just known about without reading a lot of comics. And then when I found the Batman games, uh, the Batman Arkham games, I fell in love with the overall like concept of the character. I really liked uh, the aspect. I liked the supporting of Joker. I just I just really liked the character. Um, and the, the reason I picked Harley Quinn was because I have a lot of friends also that when I was trying to explain them I won a world championship, they didn't get exactly what that meant. When I said I got to design a figure, they kind of just looked at me, but when I say, hey, I get to design a figure with Harley Quinn, everyone's like, oh yeah, from the, the video game, we know who that is. So it made a lot more sense. I wanted to pick a figure that I wanted, that I liked, but I also wanted to pick a figure that other people would know as well that weren't necessarily comic fans. I mean, you go to every convention, Harley Quinn is one of the number one costumes out there, you know? Yeah. Yep. So how much, when you submit your idea to WizKids and say, okay, I, I'd like to make Harley Quinn, um... How much input do you have? Do you like give them a rough draft of what's in your head, and then they take what you have and work with it, or do you guys go back and forth until it's done, or what? What kind of input do you get? We can't. I can't go and choose specifically the exact design process. That's what the NDA specifically covers. But you have almost uh, complete control of the character. You have a lot of things that you can do, uh, but everything that you do, they'll they obviously play test, and I mean. You can't come up when you put the character on the map and you automatically win types of things. Uh, and they do test everything, and everything that you do has a, will have a cost associated with it. Uh, without going too much on Harley, I know I've read some of the, the posts by uh, other people who designed a figure. I think it was when Mr. Sinister was first handed in, when Dan handed that in. I think it came in like a 400-point dial, if I remember correctly. So they had to come back and trim back quite a bit of his ideas. So it's, uh, you have complete control, but everything does have a cost. Is that a fair enough way to answer that? Yeah, yeah. I know, like I said, I know you're under NDA still, and you can't talk about everything. So, Drew, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to make that saber tooth, and then when he puts on his trench coat, he just automatically wins. That's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, they, they won't let you do that one. Um, but, I mean, like, we should, I'm hoping to get a preview in the next two weeks, and I can talk a lot more about the figure. Uh, I think it's safe to say she'll show 
Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it too. We're all Batman fans here, especially Batman villains and Harley fans. It's interesting that you were uh, you played the game before you got into comics. This is one of the, you're one I of did. the very few people yeah. that that said it that that had came into it that way. Pretty much all of the rest of us came comics first and then the game. That's cool. Um, what was the second part of my question? Oh, uh, any other choices? Any other choices? Like, say you won next year, because, I mean, you've been doing really, really well in other tournaments. Are there any other characters you'd be interested in designing? I have two ideas. This one, uh, if I'd won this year, one of them was, like, a battle damage Doctor Doom. I wanted to do, like, an unmasked Doctor Doom. I had a really cool concept for dial design that I'd worked on a little bit, you know, the what if. And then the other idea I actually had was kind of uh, off the wall, but I was thinking about doing an Uncle Ben figure where once he dies, you pick a character, and that character gets, like, Spider-Man team ability plus one to all stats and pick a power or something like that, you know? That's yeah. amazing. But that's something else I was really kicking around. I thought that would have been a really fun concept. Yeah, I like both of those, too. So, let's let... Um, Austin, I think you submitted this question, number three, so I'll let you kind of... Um, I wanted to know, what's your thought process when you design a team? Like, do you start with one piece and build around it? Or do you just uh, you try to focus on a game mechanic or a resource or something like that? You know, generally I've had a lot of success uh, trying to figure out, I mean, my biggest thing is I try to figure out what the meta is going to be, what people are going to play, and then what can I do to counter it. Uh, that's really most of my thought process right now. It's, you know, if everyone's going to be showing up with, you know, this resource, how can I get around it? If everyone's going to be coming up with that, how can I get around it? Initially, when I came up with the triple cop car idea, uh, the big reason was there was a threat and everyone was complaining about how you can't beat a JLA base. And I threw this idea out. I'm like, well, what if you just triple for flex down its damage? then working together doesn't really hurt as much. That's and, true. you know, a bunch of people know that's stupid, that's a dumb idea, and then the idea kind of went from there, well, how can I figure out a way to triple perplex down this, this uh, you know, these team bases for Worlds last year, and that's kind of where the idea came from. Uh, you know, I did, like, the two Lydia Malore teams, same thing was, you know, what can I do to, you know, what can I do to counter resources, stuff like that. It was, it's always trying to figure what you expect to show up and then what you can do to beat that, you know? It's, uh, you know, I've never been one to really play what everyone else is playing. I've always tried to come up with my own idea, my own uh, teams. It's funny, though, that once I come up with something, uh, I played the uh, Black Talent to Shatterstar's Death Patelis, uh team, or I came up with that at Origins. And I think so far between Gen Con and Dragon Con, I've had to play against it seven times now. <laughs> so it's interesting, when I, it's interesting when I come up with ideas, and, and then, you know, you sit across from the table with it. You know, you see other people taking your ideas and amending them, and I'm working on it, so it's been really interesting to see how people follow what I played. Are there any? Someone asked. Are there any silver bullet characters? Well, I guess really this question. You kind of just answered this it. question, asking yeah. if you play specifically to counter opponents. So yeah, you kind of already answered his questions. Uh, the next question yeah. is, is it interesting. Oh, sorry. Well, go the, ahead. Well, go. Say the thing about the meta that, that's interesting to me is, I mean, anybody can go out and find teams online. There's nothing wrong with that. But you start seeing teams that start picking up a lot of steam, like Iron Pharaoh teams, things like that. And, well, what can we do to counter that Iron Pharaoh? What can we do to get around that? And that's really what, uh, you know, where, where I really like to see more people team build. Because to me, if they're part of going to some of these big tournaments, is what did this person come up with? What's the idea that they came up with, you know? Uh, I like to see that. It's frustrating sometimes when half the field is playing the same figure. But I, uh, I don't know, I think the game is pretty healthy right now, though, overall. There's a lot of silver bullet figures out there, and there seems to be even more coming out with each set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and there's still a lot of potential with the ones that we've gotten that have seen some play that haven't gotten a lot, uh, haven't 
haven't really fully been fleshed out, like Phantom Girl, for instance. You know, and there's still we have enough tools. I think that even as strong as entities are, I think people don't need to worry too much about the health of the game. But um, that's a long discussion. You know, the, the entities are an interesting thing, you know, because resources obviously take so many points off the map. Mm-hmm. And then you add entities on top of that, or even more points off the map. There was a guy, I think, that made it to top four at Gen Con, and his team was Iron Pharaoh and, and uh, Lydia Malore. Had 189 points and figures on a 300 point map or 300 point game, and he still somehow made it into the top four, you know? Yeah. yeah. That was interesting to me that people are, you know, keeping so many figures off the map. Uh, I mean, obviously it did well for him, but I, I don't know if uh, you know one resource and 270 points of figures is is uh, worse option right now. You know. Yep. Uh, the next question is a really good one. What maps do you feel? What maps in specific um, are do a good job of playing to certain team styles? Like, and then the, vice versa. What maps? would you consider are important at negating certain team builds? Like, say, for instance, Pacific Ocean, you know, keep that with you to get to help against barriers. Like, are, are there any specific maps that you kind of make sure you always have on you for certain reasons? Uh, there's, uh, I believe, Ola. Is that what it's called? The one with all the barrier from the Green Lantern Stronger Pack? I think it's an amazing map because you can't get Alpha Strike the majority of the teams is because it, of all the barrier. Is it rank, uh, ranks or something like it, that? Yeah, yeah, that's what rings. Okay. Yeah, that's that's. that's I know it's on the opposite side of the, the Green Lantern battery map. Yeah, that's an amazing map though because that stops a lot of Alpha Strikes. I always carry that map with me. Uh, another map that I've really grown fond of again is the Crucible for Teen Titans. I like to put a power battery up next to it because it's a, a, a colossal figure, and then technically you can actually use that as one of your walls tied up on the elevated. There's a lot of stuff you can do with that map. Any map that gives you, uh, you know, access to, to uh, elevated terrain right away is a big benefit because there's so many different figures out there now that can ignore hindering, they could ignore, uh, you know, ignore blocking. But we're not seeing very many characters. Uh, I think Banshee and the Anarchy are the only two I can think of right off the top of my head. I know there's a few others that actually ignore uh, elevated terrain as well. I mean, we're still in the, the age of an alpha strike, I mean, because there's still a, a potential threat of it. And anything you do to help negate that, an elevated terrain is a really big one. I always try to have a couple of maps with elevated terrain to help me out with. Is that is that one where it has a level one, level two, level three, and one person starts out at the top of three, and one person starts at the bottom of one? No, it's the uh, it's the one that it's the uh, Teen Titans map that has the lava on it. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I didn't even think about yeah. that. I forgot that that had different elevations on. And if you and since you can put your uh, barrier, you can put your power battery in the starting zone. You can actually put it up against one of the elevated terrains, mm-hmm. and you can completely shoot. You know, you can completely block line of fire to a lot of characters. That uh, bizarro headful uh, entity, Star Sapphire, came that I ran. Actually, that was the map of choice for that one because I could just use the power battery and hide up there with the wall and just basically take a pot shot and then run to the other side of the battery and take a pot shot. You know, and just keep away. Because especially if they weren't a flying character, they're going to run all the way around the map now to get back over to me if I'm the other side of my barrier. Well, I could use Entity and Head pull the hill back up in the meantime. So it was a pretty brutal little combo that I'd come up with on that map. So as you said, well, I'll let Drew. Drew, you need to get in on the action. It's, it's, it's really thrown me off that you haven't spoken very much for an episode. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Drew Alderson, this guy's on podcast. Jake, I don't know if you're aware, this guy's on podcast. What's your question for, for I, I don't Jake? Know. What is my question? <laughs> okay, so you mentioned earlier that you know you got into the game and then got into comics. 
What are yeah. your favorite comics now, and your favorite pieces from them? Uh, well, I just bought the uh, the new Harley Quinn. Uh, I just caught today when I went to play at War of Light earlier today. The one that uh, I don't know what you call it, like the hologram image. Yeah. But I most of the collectible Harley Quinns just because I like the character. You know, really, my my probably per, uh, personal favorite. I've read more Batman than anything comics right now. Uh, went back, you know, I had some friends that recommended like Hush, you know, uh, a long Halloween from the older ones to yeah. go back and read. I think the reason I like the Batman character a little bit better, though, personally, is because it's really just a bunch of messed up, crazy people in that universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not, like, a lot of superpowers to go around, you know? Yeah. I mean, there really could be a guy out there just as crazy as the Joker, you know, potentially. Because there's no superpowers to go with that. And I'm really, that really appeals to me, that type of thing. Uh, right now, though, I'm actually reading Marvel Zombies to see what everything is about with that. Uh, my friend borrowed me the, uh, the first ver- uh, version of that that I'm reading through right now, so... That's good. I'm, uh, I'm getting there. It's taken years, but I've actually uh, learned a lot about the characters, so I'll just sit and go back through, uh, you know, look at wiki article, things like that when I want to learn about someone. Like yeah. Squirrel Girl, I spent, you know, half hour the other day learning all about Squirrel Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, you mentioned, yeah. yeah, you mentioned you came in with the Arkham games, and they give a good amount of info, you know, on characters and stuff, so. Yeah, well, I actually, I actually first started playing the game back in Legacy. I've been playing almost 10 years, and it's been a slow uh, knowledge. I, didn't, I, couldn't, I still can't believe uh, how much knowledge and characters and storylines are out there in comics. It's, oh. it's pretty amazing still. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the, the way I actually found the game was I went to Comic-Con to to be a, a toy collector. I went down to San Diego Comic-Con one year, and the, the big toy everyone said to get was this Galactus. So I bought the Galactus, put my name in, got drawn out, bought it, and I got it home. I'm like, oh, it's a game. And then I started looking <laughs> at the hero clips on that. You're, yeah. Well, you picked a good universe to start. Like, Batman, I know I'm a big Batman fan, so I'm biased. No. I'm biased, but Batman, like, really does, like you said, has the best it universe does. for villains. He has the best villains. He has the best books. It's so easy for people, even mediocre... I always use this. It's so easy for even mediocre writers to make a really good Batman story just because of, you know, you have different things to, to go at with his personality issues or mental issues or the crazy the Gotham being so crazy or his villains being so various and like you said human like and relatable and it's such a good the next big uh, Batman book you should check out if you get when you get around to getting some more is uh, Batman the Cult it's a really old one but that was the first um, actually Batman comic I ever owned and that's what really got me into Batman when I was a kid it's a pretty good old series like, like the long Halloween and some of the other ones you're reading that's one, of yeah, one I would recommend. You know, it's been interesting to see, though, because now, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I'm a little bit older. Well, not that old, but, you know, uh, being a nerd in school and things like that, it was something that wasn't really looked upon as, like, a, a badge of honor. Now, everywhere you go, there's Batman shirts, or Superman shirts. And I don't know how many people actually jump into the universe, you know, yeah. and just wear the occasional shirt or hat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's been way more entertaining than just the movies, you know? Uh, like I said, the, the more I've read, the more I've enjoyed. So I'm getting there. The next few questions are from listeners. Jake Weaver says, "What steps should WizKids take to improve or stabilize the game of HeroClix as a whole?" So I guess even it, you could you could come at it from a design designing the gameplay aspect. Watch you could come at it from watch list or even sales. You know, and distribution. There's a lot of ways to answer that question. You know, it's interesting with, with the state of the game because we hear people complain about the state of the game and it needs to improve locally. We're, they're selling more product locally 
than they ever have before. I mean, there was a, a shop in town that's not a very, uh, not a very uh, big shop. It's like 19 cases of Teen Titans. What? Which, you know, just a year ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, I heard that. I was like, but who? Who bought that, you know? <laughs> but they absolutely smashed it. I don't want to try guns. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it blew me away. But, but from a design standpoint, you know, it, it's hard because never was complaining about team bases and this and that. One of the uh, one of the guys that works for WISC, if they could just see what was coming out six months into the future, a lot of the cries have been, have been heard. You know, every year at Gen Con, the you know, designers actually sat down. They watched a few of my games. I saw them taking a ton of notes. They were going through looking, you know, looking at everything. And then you saw, like, after Gen Con last year, about six months roughly or so to have the limits to free action started to pop up. You started to see limiting factors. I think that the biggest thing that they could do is if they're going to put new elements in or powerful elements into the game, one thing they need to do is they need to also put counters into that in the same set and not make its way six to eight months. I think that would go a long way to improving a lot of things. Yeah, that's something we talk about from time to time and something we talked about when we've had Ed- Edward Shelton on as a special guest, something that they do always kind of give the counters but it's honestly not usually yeah it's usually not in the same set and that can really throw things off and i'm sure from their aspect they look at things you know they see things way up far ahead that we can't possibly see you know because they're not going to spoil it and to them it doesn't seem like a big deal but for those of us that are playing week in and week out you know we us having to deal with things for two months or so really does really is a, a much bigger deal than you know it, you might think um the best example yeah, i think can, it, they they I mean, really can you imagine if, if agent 13 or white witch had come out in uh you know in the original team titan set a figure like that well you've got these powerful team bases but i also have a way to shut down those team bases oh yeah i definitely know? agree with that one um on that same subject it was kind of like what i said when we were talked about warlight wave one and two when two rolled around, I said I really hope that if they put the black entity in as Necron as an entity instead of just the colossal, that that chase would shut down the rest of them, or that black hand might shut them down, or something might shut them down in the second wave, because that would be great to have the silver bullet and the feature in the same set. But then they ended up not doing yeah. it. So now we're going to have to wait for Trinity War for an anti possessor. And then I don't know what's going to happen or where it's going to happen, but I'm sure at some point they're going to look at all the entities because even uh, you know, even Whiskey, they heard they, they were really surprised by the number of entities that showed up this year at Gen Con. Like it blew them away. They knew there'd be a lot of them, but not that many of them, you know. And so uh, I'm sure there will be something coming. Whether it'll be an errata, they'll make them tactics. I don't know what specifically they'll do, but I know at some point when they see any type of element like that, where the, the whole game is leaning towards it. They try to give us something eventually that, uh, that slows that down. I don't know what it'll be, uh, but I'm sure there's already something that's either been designed or in the design process, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, like you like you said briefly, I think they, they will at least consider it to be tactics. And honestly, I think it should fall under the tactics category anyways. But... Um, and we were, we were already kind of seeing a move with that with the ROC with their new um, format that they, in their no-tactics environment, you're not allowed entity possession. So we'll see if WizKids follows that same that same path. Um, Chad Van Horn asks, <laughs> this is more of a silly question, but what's your are there any favorite pre-tournament meals? And, and in with his question, <laughs> since it's pretty limited. I'm just going to say, is there is there also any other like pre-tournament like Rituals. ritual or plan like 
do you make sure you get X amount of sleep the night before, or you do you practice so many? You know, do you get up early and practice? Do you drink enough caffeine to kill a horse? What's kind of your, <laughs> what's your, what's your you process? Know, honestly, games in like tournament days, I, I usually don't eat just because it's not as much that I'm not hungry. I just usually get up usually because most of the big tournaments I have to travel to, most of them have like coffee, and they most have a cup of coffee. And uh, the biggest thing I really do is I just try to show up. Uh, you know, five, seven minutes before, because I don't want to sit there and psych myself out by looking at everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And everyone's got that look. What are they going to pull out of their box? What's the team that they built? What have they come up with? You know? Oh, man. I don't like to get there too early. Uh, and I, it's not that I go out of my way to not eat. I just don't eat. I know uh, Patrick, uh, I always butcher his last name. We'll say Spontan. He said the same thing, too. He doesn't eat a lot of tournament days. I have until after it's over, you know? You heard it here, folks. Anorexia wins you tournaments. There's got to be something to it. Two of the best players in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just kind of worked out that way. You know, as far as, like, uh, getting ready for a tournament, I, put, I do a little bit different than most people. I don't spend a lot of time play testing against certain teams because what I found is I'll sit and play to death the team where I bet it down where clockwork and how to beat it, and then that team won't show up to that tournament, you know? We have uh, experience with that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, can you... Can you, can you guys pause and we can edit this real quick? This is just my ride real quick. Can you give me just 30 yeah. seconds? Yeah, sure. Sorry about that. I'm no hold on a sec. All right, so we have three questions left. All of them are listener questions. Victor Von Gore. I don't know if that name is real or not. I doubt it since his uh, avatar on Facebook is Victor Von Doom. So uh, what <laughs> he asks a pretty important – this is probably the most important question. What is Jeter hiding under that hat that he always wears? I'm <laughs> uh, not bald. I've got that going for me. I'm not like Scott Love Lady who's gone bald. Uh, I don't know. I just, I've just always wore Yankee hats my whole life. When I was like uh, four years old, even though I'm from Salt Lake City, my mom's boss grew up in the Bronx, so he used to always bring me a little like uh, Yankee memorabilia, like um, uh, Mickey Mantle, uh, Babe Ruth, stuff like that. So it was pretty good. Uh, I've got a ton of old classic Yankee memorabilia. That's pretty and it awesome. just kind of stuck. I've just always wore the hat. I'm glad you got into that because I, I was actually going to ask you about that. Like, if because I do always see you. If I see you in a picture, it's always you're always wearing a Yankees hat. I was going to ask you because th- then a minute ago you told me you were in Salt Lake, so I was like, "What's the Yankees fan doing all the way down in uh, Salt Lake, Utah?" Yankees hat. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm older. Uh, I'm not that old, like I said, but not old as Georgians too and those guys. But uh, one thing I've, uh, I know, it's just it's always stuck with me. You know, I've always been a Yankee fan. It's just something I've always liked to do and. I was always a big fan of Jeter, so when I was looking for a handle, I just kind of stood out and made sense. I've used it for the last 10 years. You know, we had yeah. one of the listeners' questions on um, Gmail was asking, um, now that Jeter's retired, or Jeter just retired, is Jeter going to change his, his username? <laughs> you know, I uh, I think the biggest thing new with Derek Jeter is I, I don't know a lot of people, if they like him or they they hate and they still respect him as being a good player you know uh-huh. I think that's just something I always kind of look up to you know yeah. Dave, that was pretty amazing for that guy's career I don't think I've ever seen quite a uh, player get a send off like he has this last year no it, yeah it's been pretty spectacular and I'm not I don't follow baseball all that closely uh, when I do go to baseball games it's the Cubs game so yeah yeah um, yeah, trust me. <laughs> Lifelong Cubs fan. We're not good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Jeter's been spectacular. Um, Dave Anthony, reader, asks, or listener, I keep saying reader, uh, what are some of your favorite feats, and are there any good special power translations of them nowadays? 
on our feet from way back. Uh-huh. You know, Fortitude used to be a really big one, which uh, the Gama basically gave us, which was a big one. I really used to use Fortitude quite a bit. In Contact with Oracle was another really good one, which they've tried to translate a few times, and Oracle figures since uh, Legacy just hasn't worked out. Protected was another big one. But I think my all-time favorite feat going back had to be Trick Shot. There's just so much you could do with that power, you know? Yeah. Uh, and now we finally got it with improved, uh, improved targeting. They basically gave us Trick Shot in two different ways, you know? Yep. Yeah, we came in after feats, and I to this day have never played a single game with a feat. I played one, but I gotta imagine <laughs> it would be pretty much impossible to do uh, with all the other things that we have going on. And here at Clicks, it would just be even more conditions, convoluted. resources, feats. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean there was there were some teams out there. I remember reading like uh, Wizard World team way way back. Uh, I played like four characters, five characters that had like eight, or had five protected on, on his team. Which protected basically was when a character is dealt damage, you can ignore the damage and instead give him an action token. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> wow. You know, we used to see stuff like that quite a bit. You know, so people want to complain about elements off the map, you know, or the game's too complex. There's always been ways for meta players to figure things out. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just a little bit different now than it used to be. Basically, the feats just became the special powers. You know. Yeah. But trick shot was a fun one though because it just changed the thing so many times. You can only get on position, block line of fire, but if they ignore characters and things like that, that makes a big difference. I mean, that's why I think Bullseye had so much success. Now, last but not least, Hank Pym from Facebook. Now, we we were inspecting his Facebook profile a minute ago because we were like, well, his real name can't be Hank Pym. Surely. So then we click and bring up his Facebook, and it says Hank Pym, and then under that parentheses Hank Scorpio. Both of those names are obviously fake. So whatever this guy's real name is, he asks, um, what form of the constructed format does he find the most balanced and the most or and or the most interesting? You know, I I'm a big fan of 300 Modern. Uh, you know, I don't mind playing in big point games every now and then, but. The reason I like 300 modders is because you're in, you're looking at basically a format where you've got access to enough elements to keep it interesting, but you don't have so many points that you can just throw points away. So, I mean, 5, 8, 10 points makes a big difference in 300 points. You know, you look at one of the things with Patrick's teams from World, you know, he put the contract on Lyra and then was able to use power actions with her to actually, uh, you know, get extra points out of her by bringing in higher point uh, constructs. That's a big deal, you know? Yeah. That's a really big deal. Uh, I just I like to you know that's what I said one of my favorite parts of the tournament is sitting across from somebody and trying to figure out what are they going to play what's next you know what are they pulling out what do they come up with their 300 points because I mean you get into like five, six, seven hundred point games you can start throwing in things like uh, Chase Thanos some of those ridiculous combos you know they aren't fun to play again oh yeah honestly also as a judge and as a beginning organizer I really like I, I used to kind of um, I guess promote, for lack of a better word, the 400-point format just because I thought it'd be interesting it open things up. But the more that I judge tournaments and the more that I run and organize tournaments, I really, really like the 300 just also because the matches are over quicker and it's smoother just for the most part. And that makes these huge tournaments like Gen Con and, and these huge rock tournaments and like I'm hosting the big regional, the first regional coming up, like it makes all those things run a lot smoother and a lot faster too. So... I, I, I like 300 yeah. Modern as well. 
Yeah, and that's what, like I said, back to the team I mentioned earlier, this guy only had 189 points. There's another 110 points being off that map, 111 points, and he's still winning games with that, you know? Mm-hmm. That blows me away. Uh, but it was interesting to what he came up with. You know, I didn't think that a team with a 60-point power battery and two entities would do that well, but obviously he did. So it's, it's interesting to see because the creativity is a little bit different. I mean, like I said, anyone can pull up the big B sticks, you know, and throw them together, but... I like more of the strategy and then coming up with the tactics part of it is a blast to me. Well, we want to say a big thank you for being on here today. I know our listeners don't know, but Jeter's ran into some issues right now and he, this is a, he's recording at a very inopportune time. He's, He's doing a great job and giving us a few minutes of his time right now when he doesn't have to and we greatly appreciate it. We do. Um, Hopefully, sometime in the future, when I have to do one of my solo uh, podcasts and I have to have a you know a guest a guest host on, if you've ever listened to any of those episodes, I'll hit you up and maybe we can hook up for a longer. We can do it in more. Well, of, I mean, no, that would, that would, it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's been interesting to see this game grow this last uh, couple of years because we're starting to see with with the advent of social media, you know, podcasts. You're starting to see like more of an actual overall community. I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's the people who would show up at Gen Con, you know, the Ohio guys know each other, you know, some of the Canadian players, we all, we all know each other and talk, but it's been nice, though, to actually sit down and, you know, have a conversation with someone through social media and then show up at a convention and actually be able to sit down and have a, a conversation with somebody in person, you know? Oh, yeah, I, it's been that, a lot was, of fun. that was one of my favorite things about Gen Con was getting there, meeting all these people from, like, realms and all over the place, and I'm like, I know you, you go by this name, or people pop in, they're like, oh, I'm a fan of the podcast, you're like... It's just crazy that these people from all over the like the country and the world and stuff show up here just to play a little game with action figures. And you're also always amazed at how yeah, many. Like seriously. the first year we went to Gen Con, I was like, "There's no way that this many people play Click seriously." We, we <laughs> like, played I Hero Clicks in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and just that two last things real quick. I think that one of the biggest things is that the ROC has really helped out to get more people involved as far as tournament play. You know, in Salt Lake, we had a couple of guys that I talked into playing in the ROC that I judged out here. And uh, more of them had fun, you know, than they thought they would. Guys like, you know, I talked to a couple of them coming out, and they're like, you know, it's a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see, you know, that the more access to things like the WizKids Open, you know, the ROC tournaments, I think it's just going to help the game grow overall. I think we're in a pretty good spot, you know. People online can complain or be upset about it, but I mean, I think that we're definitely headed in the right direction. Yep, I agree. So, uh, once again, thanks for your time. Hopefully you get your situation resolved. But, like I said, <laughs> we definitely uh, we definitely like you. You're very candid and you're very um, – you did a great job in the interview. So, I definitely want to have you back sometime either as an interviewer or as a guest host sometime and, and have you back on the podcast. Hey, you're the one I voted to win Gen Con this year. You let me down, man. <laughs> you know, I voted for me to win Gen Con this year, too. It just didn't work out. So. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, thank you. All right.